Hallelujah. Preparation for the beautiful job. Preparation for the beautiful job. Number one, have a good report. Have a good report. So the next topic I'm talking about is preparation for the beautiful job. Alright, number one, have a good report. Have a good report. What does it mean? Alright. First Timothy chapter three. First Timothy chapter three, verse seven. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he shall fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Amen. NIV. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders. So that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. NLT. NLT. Also, people outside the church must speak well of him. So that he will not be disgraced and fall into the devil's trap. So now, how many of you are going to do the beautiful job? Alright. Now you must prepare for it. The first thing is that your character must be good. Your character must be good. You see, listen to me. People, people look at you before they accept your witness. People look at you and judge you before they accept your witness. We know that you go to church, but we also know you as the chief fornicator in this area. You have impregnated five girls in the area. And now you have come of your Bible. That we should give our life to Christ. You that will have given your life to Christ. What can we see? That is why, you see, because you are going to be, you know, you are going to go, you are, you are going to go into the community to do evangelism. Yeah tell you. You are going to be a war preacher. And teacher. But when the people see you coming, what would they say? What would they say? You are a married woman, but people see you in darkness entering into people's cars. And you are taking your Bible. Look at it. Yeah? 
when we see you are doing computer, computer. You go to the farm to do computer, computer. And now you are coming to talk to us. How many of you realize that they will not accept your witness? So the Bible says, also people outside the church must speak well of him. So, let's look at how our lives must be. First Timothy chapter 3. Okay. Let's use the NIV. Here is a trustworthy saying, whosoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble tax. That, give, give that one to us in the King James. This is a true saying. If a man desired the office of a bishop, he desired a good work. The word bishop is the word overseer. Alright, overseer. So, overseer of any kind and level. So, as a shepherd, because you're going to be a shepherd, you're also a form of overseer. And the Bible says that your desire to be a shepherd is a good, is a good work. How many of you want to be shepherds? How many of you want to be pastors? The Bible says that it's a good desire. It's a good desire. Look, God is very happy with you. All those of you here, God is so happy with you. That the reason why you woke up early today, 3 a.m. How many of you woke up at 3 a.m.? 3 a.m. Eh, to catch the bus. Derek, it's not there for us to come here. Eh? You see, today, God was very happy. Because when we, normally, when you wake up, he's angry with you because 3 a.m. There's some girl in the corner that you're going to meet. You're going for a washing. How many of you have gone for a washing before? Hey, only two people. How many people I said before, not now? Including sisters. Lift up your hand. Uh huh. Ah, he has not seen anything. Sit down. Awashia means that you are not sleeping in the house. You are sleeping somewhere else. Doing bad things. When I was growing up, I had a, a certain girl. Hey, very bad girl. Because I was going to, the, the parents would go to they will travel to the farm for let's say a week. Then she will signal me that they are not there. So I will go to Awashia in their bedroom. You know that Awashia and their levels. This World Cup. This one is finals. Have you seen the power of preaching? Yes. How many of you are happy that God has saved me? 
But you think about yourself. Yes. Now, with that, with that, they have taken your Bible, you are coming. Where are you going? We cannot accept what you are saying. We cannot accept what you are saying. So you must have good reports. So your preparation, your preparation for the beautiful job must start with you having a good report. Let's look at that scripture again. Okay, first Timothy chapter three, verse seven. Okay, moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without. Give us a simpler version. Okay, he must also have a good reputation with outsiders. Then NLT. Also, people outside church, the church, must speak well of him or her. Because some of the sisters who are sitting down here. From Jonathan to Jonah to James to John to Joachim to Justice to Jude to Jeremiah to Jedidiah to Jonah everybody has entered there is left of you? Sister, what is left of you? Sister, what is left of you? Sister, what is Jonah has been there. When I say Jonah has been there, what is left of you? Jonah has been there. Justice has been there. Joachim has been there. Jedida has been there. Jonah has been there. Justice has been there. What is left of you? And then their brothers here. Anything sketch. Once it's sketch, you have entered it. What is left of you, brother? Uh, Cecilia, you entered it. Cecilia, you entered it. Dorothy, Cynthia, Jane, Georgina, Paulina. Fisla, uh, Media, what is a sketch? What is left of you? But, but watch. But, but watch. Listen. Now there's a scripture working for us. So sit down. That is Second Corinthians chapter five and verse seventeen. It's working for us. It's working for us. In spite of all these things that we have done, now that we have been washed with the blood of Jesus, the Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Oh, clap your hands for the scripture. So, 
remember that my bad girlfriend, the parents' bedroom. Now that I'm born again, all things. Some of you did gala. Gala. Five of you brothers to one sister. You took tens. I don't know why Pastor Emmanuel is standing stiff like that. I don't ask him. I don't ask him. understand it? No, I'm trying to explain to you that based on what you have done, you can't just take your Bible. The people must now see something that you are different. What must they see? First Timothy chapter 3 from verse 1. Here is a trustworthy saying whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now, the overseer is to be above reproach. You see, when the Bible says above reproach, it means people should not get anything bad to say about you. So after this camp, in your community, people should have, when they see you, they should surprise her. Hey. They should speak in past tense. This guy, he was very, very wild. When they see you as a a lady, they say, hey, this lady in some time past. Not, not now. Some time past. She was very well. How many of you like such a testimony? Amen? Alright? So now, the overseer is to be above reproach. Faithful to his wife. So if you are married, okay, Faithful to your wife. I got what I'm saying. I write on it. Number two, temperate. When we say that you are temperate, it means that you do things with a balance. With a balance. You don't overdo things. You don't overdo things. So, for example, if you are eating, you just eat enough. You don't overeat. You see, listen. Listen. If you are not temperate with food, you can't fast. You can never fast. When you start to fast, hello, 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 I'm preaching. When you start to fast, you break your fast because of the food. Yeah? If you are not temperate and in your house you are taking Holy Communion, the wine, the wine you are supposed to take small. But you, every time you take Communion, when we come, you are boost. Why? Amen? 
Next one, self-controlled. Self-controlled. If you want to do the beautiful job, you must be a self-controlled person. When your sheep says something you are not happy, you can't also, like your sheep has insulted you, so you are also insulting your sheep. You have to control yourself. And know that, you know, no, they say, the person doesn't understand what the person is saying. Haven't you seen that sometimes when you go and face some of the sheep, even the way they talk to you, you see the way they talk to you, but you must be self-controlled. Do you understand it? Yeah. If you are a shepherd and you visit your sheep, a female, and you begin to have feelings, you have to control yourself. You have to control yourself. Yeah. I get what I'm saying. Yes. You have to. When you do house visitations, you are a shepherd. You are a pastor. No matter how hungry you are, when you enter people's homes, you cannot go about just acting like a scavenger. No. You have to control yourself. How many of you understand that? Amen? Next one. Respectable. Respectable. You have to respect yourself. Amen? And when it comes to respect... There are some things that you have to do to gain respect. Even the way you dress. The way you dress. Two people of the same status. Let's say they all don't have much money. They all don't have much education. They all have don't have they all don't have a very good place to stay or whatever. But if they go to a place, one will be saluted, the other one will be sacked. Just because of the way they are dressed. To dress him. Dress him. Yeah. So I want you as shepherds to learn how to dress well. Sometimes in the community they don't accept you because you are always in this funny t-shirt. I mean you are awake. You see, you say you are a child of God. Your God is great. Your God has blessed you. But look at the way you are dressing. You don't command respect. The way you speak makes you to be respected. The way you treat people. Talk to people. Amen. Next one. Hospitable. Hospitable. And this one especially for the sisters. Sisters. You have to be hospitable. Hospitable doesn't mean that you are going to lie in hospital. Amen? Now what is the meaning of hospitable? Listen. A hospitable person is friendly. 
generous and welcoming to guests or people they have just met. I get what I'm saying. A hospital person is friendly, generous, and welcoming to guests or people they have just met. Yeah. Okay. But especially the sisters. Eh? Some, some, some sisters, your face is squeezed. That is why nobody has proposed to you. Yes. That's it. A lady, you, you, you should smile all the time. Sisters, listen, listen. I'm giving you, I, I'm giving you a tip. A tip to how you can be chosen. Smile all the time. Yeah. When you smile, your beauty is seen. And, and if that is how your face is, you have to practice at home. Stand, stand in front of a mirror. Yeah. Practice it. Yes. Yeah. You should give food. If a sister and brothers come around you, there must be food. Food. You are rather hiding your food. What is left of you, sister? Amen? Yes, it. When you are a married, a married woman, people come to your house. There must be food. When you get a visitor, there should not be only water. There are some homes when you enter there, you come in the morning, you hear, you know, aroma of things, listen, but you never see it. Your eye will see Cana, but your legs, yeah. Hospital. Amen? Eh? No, you see, smiling, being nice to people, alright, it creates, it says to them, you can come close. You can come close. Anybody that 
when you see the person has squeezed their face, you can't go close to them. So, sisters, because those of you who are married and the rest of you are going to get married, this is very important. You know, when people come to my house, pastors, you know, pastors, you know, they always say, they always say, Bishop, want to come again. And it's not because of me, because of my wife. They say, Mama Paula's food. No. It's always, oh, come and eat. Oh, come, oh, eat more. Oh, yeah, always. So they like to come back. Some of you, since some people visited you five years ago, they have never come. Because when they were there, they were yawning. <gasps> and then you didn't know. You didn't know. When you step out of the house, they open the fridge. That maybe when the when the open pure water, the bowl is empty, nothing. A shepherd must be hospitable. Your sheep must feel relaxed around you. Wow! Wow! Are you clapping your hands for the Lord? Next one. Next one. Next one. Are you there? Huh? Able to teach. Able to teach. Amen. That's what I brought you here. All right. Able to teach. A shepherd should be able to teach. Soon all of you are going to have your Bacentes. And during the Bacenta meeting, you will be teaching. Yes. You say today, alright, I'm going to share something important. Last week, do you remember that Bishop taught us about the blood? Okay. Taught us about the blood. He taught us, us about the blood covenant. So we are going to teach. Number one, he said that there is a blood covenant between God and his creature. Do you see? Then he explained what happened. So what is a covenant? A covenant means an agreement. Number two, he said a covenant started in the Garden of Eden when man sinned against God and God slaughtered one of the some of the animals, and use their bloody skin to cover man. Genesis chapter 3 and 21. Let's read it. It'll be explaining. Oh, you. You're going to be a mighty teacher. Okay? So you must be able to teach. Hallelujah. Next one. Not given to drunkenness. Not given to drunkenness. Hey, shepherd, shepherd.
shepherd. But center meeting time has come. We have not seen you. So, so oh, let's go and see what is happening. When we come, you're on your bed. Hey. You are just on your bed. Uh, oh, shepherd. It's time for him. Oh, leave me out Not given to drunkenness. Amen. But a shepherd must be drunk. A shepherd must be drunk. But what must he be drunk with? Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. And verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. The drunkenness of a shepherd is the being filled. You know? No. When you are, when you are filled with the Spirit, you behave like a drunken person. What do, I mean? what, what, what do I mean by that? Drunken people, when somebody is very drunk, he has some characteristics. Number one, he doesn't know where he is. Number two, he's free. Just says anything. He can insult the mother-in-law, the, the father-in-law, and apologize tomorrow. Yes. Yes. You know, then they are very bold. They say things that under the alcohol. You know. They say, oh, watch. I can beat him. The person says, can be a very, very big Goliath. They are bold. I get what I'm saying. They are very bold. Now, when you are through the spirit, and another thing too is that they can't walk properly. They stagger. They stagger and they fall. These are all signs of drunkenness. When we are drunk of the Holy Spirit, you understand? It? And we are anointed. All these things are there. All these things are there. Sometimes I get anointed to levels that I cannot stand. Not that you don't want to stand, but you cannot stand. Yeah. One time I saw Pastor Benjamin preaching at a miracle crusade. Awesome miracles. Then said the mountain fell. He started laying his hands on the pastors, took his jacket. Then suddenly he started staggering. They told the people, hold me. So they, they, were trying, they, they couldn't hold him. They, they were holding him, they couldn't hold him. He fell. Yeah. Then, under the mountain, you are very bold. Do you remember Peter? Eh? On the day of Pentecost. Pentecost was um, seven weeks after the after the feast of the Passover. Yeah, seven weeks earlier, he said he didn't know Jesus. Seven weeks later, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, he stood up and preached. Three thousand people were added to the church, and when they they were taken to the Sahindri and they were warned not to preach in the name of Jesus, he said no. It's a boldness. Comes another mountain. Yeah. 
And then that boldness leads you to say things. So it is under the anointing that you say things. You prophesy. You prophesy. Yeah. Last week when I was preaching, I said there's a couple here. They have decided to travel together this week. Look at it. Nobody came. Yeah. I was sitting in my office. In the evening, when the couple walked to my office. Yes. The man was in the adult service. The woman is a teacher of the safe church. So the woman was in the safe church. So they came. They came. I was in the office. They came. So I, I told the man, so what happened while you were in the service? He said, he doesn't understand even why. He didn't respond. But boldness. So what I'm saying is that a shepherd must not, and a pastor must not be drunk with wine. But if he wants to drink, he must be drunk with the spirit. Rather go for the anointing. The spirit of God. I see you anointed. God is going to anoint you heavily. I say God is going to anoint you heavily. Amen. I'm talking about having a good report. And when you are anointed, it's not a good report. Eh? When you stand at your basenta or your basenta service or your area, you understand, and you declare the word of God, and you are laying hands, and you are casting out demons. It's not a good report. Yeah? Amen. Hallelujah. Wow. I see God anointing you. You are going to walk in power. Recently, when I went on apostolic visit to the Western region, I was preaching one of the churches. Then, when I started praying for people, suddenly I saw somebody on their belly, eh, crawling like a snake, from the back, from the back of the church. The church is thirty meters by ten from the back. Yeah, like that. Coming. Everybody saw him. And people were giving way like this. They came out to the front. And he was moving. Moving like that. Very wild. And I commanded the demon to come out. Yeah. It took a while. Then suddenly he woke up. The demon left him there. He looked. He was totally dirty. He said, ah, what is this? What did this to me? Yes. He was shocked. He was shocked. But under the anointing, the demon was rebuked to go. God is going to anoint you. Hallelujah. You are going to move in the power of God. Receive the power of God in the name of Jesus. Amen. Next one. Not violent, but gentle. Not violent. We should not see anybody here. You are standing at a place where I've held somebody's shirt. Those days are gone. If you are married, you should not be slapping your, 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 your wife. If you are a married woman, you should not be insulting your husband. Hello? Yeah? There are some women 
Do you see? You are too hard. Too hard. Not quarrelsome. Hello? Not quarrelsome. A lady shepherd sitting down here, then we see you in your corner. You are quarreling with the people in the community. Then after that, you have your Bible. They cannot accept you. Not quarrelsome. Next one, not a lover of money. Not a lover of money. Now listen. Now listen. Money is good. Give me a chair. Money. No, leave that one. Yeah. Money is good. Listen. Money is good. But don't love money. What's the difference? What's the difference? What's the difference? It means that is, you see, when you say you love something, it means your heart is in it and it's after it. Your heart is in it and it's after it. But there's only one thing that your heart must be after God. Yes. Amen. Money is necessary. You must, you must find money. You must, you know, want money. You must work for money. But don't love it. Because when you, anything that you love controls you. So you can't pay tight because it's like, ah, there's 500 if I take 50. No, no, no. I, I, I can't take 50. So the money is controlling you. Amen. Don't not love money. In the ministry, in the ministry, if you follow money, God can use you. God can use you. Even, even like when it comes to invitation, like someone like me, I'm invited to many places. You choose where, when you go, you get money. Instead of where God wants you to go. Look at it. So a shepherd must not love money. Love God. And God will give you all the money that you need for your life. Love God. Amen. First Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter 5. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre. NIV. NIV, 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 NIV. Be shepherds of God's flocks, that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must 
but because you are willing as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not greedy for money. Look, look at me. Look at me, all of you. I can give you one assurance. And I am going to be teaching you at this camp the blessings that is going to come upon you as you serve the Lord. Let me tell you something. If you become interested in the work of God and serving God, you will lack money. You will not lack money. Yeah. It's a bishop, but I don't have money at all. What have you been doing for God? You keep on. I'm not talking about one day, one month, three months, four months. You are saying, I'm saying that if that becomes your lifestyle, I get what I'm saying. Yeah. Do not back one. God will bless you. Yeah. So choose God and choose the work of God. And choose the things of God and give yourself to it. That's why God says, Don't be greedy. Don't serve me for the love of money. That will rather pollute your heart. It will pollute your heart. Recently, I visited somebody. Recently, I visited somebody at home. And when I finished and I prayed and I was leaving, the person said, Ah, are you going? Is that all? I said, That's all. It's all. Am, I, am, I, am I not supposed to give something? Yes. Do you understand it? The person felt that the person has to give money. It's like, in fact, even the way the person asked the question, it was more like, like, how much? Yeah. Pastor, I'm visiting my, my sheep. But it tells you what maybe the person has experienced. Amen? So, this is a very important thing. The love of money will prevent you from serving God. Anybody who should have been at this camp, especially those who work for themselves, who are not here, you see, the love of money is what is controlling you. Yes, because, because you are saying to yourself that I can't, when I go two days, I will lose money. But that is also the reason why you don't get money in a certain way. When I was practicing in my hospital, I used to leave the hospital for two weeks, three weeks, one week, go preaching. And I have to replace of a doctor or a medical assistant and go. And I have to pay the person. 
Which means that when I traveled, it went against me. And I was a lay pastor. The church was not giving me anything, so I have to buy my own fuel. So when I travel three weeks, I buy fuel for three weeks. When I come out to pay a doctor or whatever, do you see? But I realized that I made more money. The hospital made more money when I was not there. Yeah, more. It's like God is saying, you are taking care of my business. Why not? Let me take care of your business. When you take care of God's business, God will take care of your business. Luke chapter 16 and verse 10. Luke chapter 16 and verse 10. Some of you, okay, you are not careful of, alright, eh? Whosoever, go back, go back, whosoever can be trusted with very little, can also be trusted with much. And whosoever is dishonest with very little, will also be dishonest of much. Continue. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who trusts you with true riches? Verse 12. And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else, someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Do you get it? So with God, He looks at you. Some of you today, you are working for people. You have to be honest. And you have to be hard working. And you have to, whatever they have given you to do, do it well. If you are a pastor, you are working, you know, under my ministry. Whatever has been given, do it well. That is how God will also give you yours. Yeah. Yes. I'm not surprised some of the very wonderful helpers that God has given, like Lady Pastor uh, Selassie. Do you see? Some of the very wonderful helpers. Yeah. Reverend Sami and some of these people, Reverend Philip. You know, I'm not surprised because throughout my life and ministry, the people that I've worked under really, really, really serve them well. And I've always been careful to do what I was expected. So I'm not surprised that God will also give me good people. Good people. Look at it. Yeah? Look at uh, Auntie Ruth. He's here. He's not a full-time pastor. See, organizing the camp, this, this, work with Lady Pesalasi, making sure this is okay, this one is okay. She's not paid. So it's a certain blessing that comes upon you because of what you do for others. This, this is a very important thing. It's a very, very important thing. Some of you are not working well at your workplace, you are lazy. Some of you are not faithful with what is handed over to you. If you are handling money, you have not been faithful. You have not been faithful. You know it. I get what I'm saying. Yeah. And God will not give you your own. You have to be faithful. If you are working for somebody, be faithful of what the person... If you have been employed by somebody, it is not easy to own a company. 
to have employees. It's not easy. So if somebody has employed you, be faithful to the person. And don't cut corners. Yeah. And don't take things that you shouldn't take. Amen? What do you think? Uh, how many of you realize that we are having good reports? Yes. This is preparation for the beautiful job. Without all this, I mean, if we are a thief, would God give you a certain type of ministry? I control a lot of income. Yeah. I control a lot of income. Even when I take someone like Lady Salasa, all these years, she handles, you know, she handles a lot of money. If she was not faithful, many of the things that we have done, perhaps we couldn't do it. Yes. But you see, you may deceive ordinary man, but you can't deceive God. God knows everything. How many of you know that God knows everything? He knows everything. Yeah. And one of the things that I want you to be afraid of is God's money. Yeah, I'm afraid of God's money. God's money. I'm afraid of it. Even the use of it. You should ask it. Many times, I also, oh, yeah, let's. No, just wait. Don't do this for me. Let's just oh, cut this one down. This is, hey, God's money. That we are free. Hallelujah. Wow. How many of you are blessed? Are you blessed? Let's go back to festivity. Hmm? Hmm. Not a level of money. He must manage his own family well. And see that his children obey him. Yes. Huh? And he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take good care of God's church? Amen. He must not be a recent convert. Is that why I brought you here to train you? I could have just said, all of you are shepherds. No. You are a new believer. I have to teach you. That's why I have to go through new believer school. Amen? Hmm? Or he may, he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the, the devil's trap. Verse 8. In the same way, deacons, which are still shepherds and leaders, are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing this honest game. They must keep hold of deep truths of the faith of a clear conscience. They must, they must first be tested, and then if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the same way, the women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers. Not malicious talkers. Huh? But temperate and trustworthy in everything. It's Twelve. A deacon must be faithful to his wife and must manage his children and his household well. Hallelujah. 
And watch this, verse 13. Those who have served well again an excellent standing and great assurance. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ. So under the preparation for the beautiful job, the first one is that have a good report. Amen. A good report. Number two. Number two. Know the word of God. Know the word of God. For it is what you use to feed the sheep. Know the word of God. For it is what you use to feed the sheep. The second thing you must do as you are preparing to do the beautiful job is that you must know the word of God. For for what? Eh? For with which you for that is what you, you use to feed the sheep of God. Amen. So you must know the word of God. Now listen. Look at me, everybody. The weapon of a soldier is what? What's the weapon of a soldier? Eh? A soldier. It's a gun. What is the weapon of a doctor? Eh? How is it called? How is it called? Eh? People are saying all kinds of things. It's called stethoscope. Stethoscope. Alright? Very good. What is the weapon of a farmer? Cutlass. What is the weapon of a teacher? The chalk. What is the weapon of a shepherd? The word of God. Amen? So listen. 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 If you are going to do the beautiful job, you must know the word of God. You cannot teach what you don't know. And you cannot give what you don't have. So, look at Ezra. Ezra was, was um, somebody who was leading the people of Israel. Look at what he did. Ezra chapter 7 verse 10. Ezra chapter 7 and verse 10. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach it. You see, before, before he was going to teach the word of God, which is statutes and judgment, he sought it with his son. To know the word. To understand the word of God. Very important. Very important. Listen. 
the, your, your greatest tool as a shepherd. How many of you want to be shepherds? Your greatest tool as a shepherd is the word of God. Yeah. I told you that a church is built through teaching. Yeah? Those of you who are pastors, the difference between pastors who are invited and those who are not invited is the ability to handle the word of God. Handle the word of God. So you see the bishop. He's invited everywhere. The words that he's speaking to us in Ghana here. Somebody here says, please come and say the same words to us. Amen? So know the word of God. Yeah. Wow. I'm invited. They say, please come and that thing Talk to us about it. Yeah. Recently I went somewhere. Ish. I said I can preach long, but they made me to preach long. Preached. Morning very long, evening very long. One of the evenings I preached. Straight and minister for five hours. Straight. Yeah. And I was traveling the next day. And then I was told, before you travel, please come and teach some work. Before you're on the way to the airport, but pass here and do. So I passed there for another about two hours. I have my bags, so my bags are ready. My way. For the, for the road. Two hours. Yeah. And then two months or three months, he said, please, can you come again? Say, can you come again? How many of you have seen that when you go somewhere and then you eat and the food is nice, you like to go there again? God is going to put nice food in your mouth. I said, God is going to put nice food in your mouth to speak. Amen? Wow. Hmm? Hallelujah. Hmm. Do you see? So a shepherd feeds the sheep of the word of God. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 11. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. Are you seeing that? He shall feed his flock like... So a shepherd feeds the flock. That's what I want you to see. A shepherd feeds the flock. Not with meat or bread or banku, but with the word of God. A shepherd doesn't feed the sheep, the spiritual sheep, which are the human beings in the church, you don't feed them with rice. But with the word of God. That is why you must know the word of God. Amen. That's why I say every shepherd must have the must know scripture book where there are scriptures. Everybody must get it. How many of you don't have it? You don't have it. No, you have to get it. You have to get it. 
Pastor Iman, make sure that every shepherd gets it. Amen? Alright? Look at John chapter 15. John chapter 21, sorry. John chapter 21, we are reading from verse 15. John chapter 21, we are reading from verse 15. So when they are dying, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of, Jordan, of Jonas, lovest thou me more than this? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my lambs. Feed, Jesus told Peter, Feed my lambs. Who are the lambs that Jesus was talking about? Lambs, sheep, walking around there? No. The what? The people in the kingdom. Verse 16. He said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my sheep. 17. He said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things, thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. Hallelujah. Are you seeing that? Eh? Are you seeing that? Yeah. So you must know the word of God, the scriptures, the Bible. Every shepherd here must have a good Bible. And this is easy. On your electronic device, your tablet is there. Your iPhone, your Android, your whatever, it is there. Or you should buy one. Hard copy if you, if you don't have. Hallelujah. Alright. Now let's look at Jesus. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. What a blessing. From verse 41. Every year, NIV, every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was, what is the, the festival of the Passover? Do you remember before the people of Israel left Egypt, God asked them to kill a lamp and use the blood to paint their doorposts. And he said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Okay, pass over you. Pass over. Do you understand it? So that's the feast of the Passover. And God asked them to observe it, you know, throughout their generations. Yeah. Okay. So when he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a journey. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, 
When they are looking for you and they cannot find you, may they find you in the house of God. Listen. The days when you were found at the beer bar, a drinking spot, the day that you were found at a computer shop doing computer, computer. Listen. The day that you were found at a prostitution, you know, brothel. Eh? They are over in the name of Jesus. I say you are not going back to Davy's corner in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wow. I hear you go home. I said, I hear you go home. When they were looking for Jesus and they didn't find him, where did they find him? In the temple. That would be your story. Every day you'll be staying in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Eh? Hallelujah. Forty-six. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. Do you understand? Give, give me that one in the verse forty-six in the and I, uh, King James. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions about the scriptures. Jesus was asking them questions about the scriptures. Yes. Do you know that Jesus quoted from Isaiah and Jeremiah and all these people? Eh? Yes, he knew the scriptures. Jesus was half man, half God. Jesus was the Holy Ghost plus Mary. That was Jesus. The Holy Ghost plus Mary. Yeah. Amen. You knew the scriptures. You cannot be a, a shepherd. You don't know scriptures. A pastor, you don't know scriptures. One day, a certain pastor was preaching. I said, a certain pastor. The one was preaching, one of the church members lifted their hand. Yes. So the pastor said, Yes. Yes, so that so the person got up and said, Pastor, the preaching that we are preaching, there are no scriptures. So please add scriptures, add scriptures. 
scriptures. You see, have I given you so many scriptures? When you are preaching and there are no scriptures, it's like you are, you are giving a story or something. Yeah? First Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. Second Timothy. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Verse 15. Watch this. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. I get what I'm saying. This is what Paul was telling his pastor Timothy. That from a child you have known the holy scriptures. So make sure that you know the holy scriptures. And the holy scriptures will not be poured into your brains. My students have often asked me, say, Bishop, where are the scriptures? The scriptures that you quoted plenty. Where is it from? Where is it from? Eh? Do, do you get it? You must put them there first. Then when you need them, the Holy Spirit will guide you. It's like you have a scripture bank and the Holy Spirit guides you what to use at the right time. Yeah? So you must all know scriptures. Can I have an amen? amen. I get what I'm saying. A pastor feeds the sheep with the scriptures, not stories. When you read presiding Bishop's books, scripture after scripture, scripture after scripture, when you hear him teaching, Scripture after scripture. Scripture after scripture. Yeah. There are scriptures in it. Do you get it? And watch. The scriptures make you wise. And that from a child, thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. Wise unto salvation means that the scriptures will lead you unto salvation. And salvation, alright, comes from the Greek word sozo. It's not only the salvation of your soul, but salvation in any way. When you see a strange girl, you know who a strange girl? A strange girl. Alright, a strange girl is a girl that looks strange. The hair looks strange, the eyelids look strange, the dressing looks strange, her mannerisms look strange. I gonna that is strange. All right. It is the knowledge of the word that will guide you away from her, because her ways are the ways of death. Yeah, there are some strange ladies. If you enter the place once, you are finished. No, you are finished. You come out of cockroaches, lizards, crocodiles, demons, everything is there. Same thing with some strange brothers. Oh yeah. It's true. It's true. So scripture, scripture, 
Hallelujah. Scripture. Eh? Come with me to um, Acts chapter Acts chapter 18. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We love you. How many of you love the Holy Spirit? chapter 18 from verse 24. And a certain Jew named Apollos born at Alexandria an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures came to Ephesus. Mighty in the scriptures. I see you becoming mighty in the scriptures. I said I see you becoming mighty in the scriptures. Mighty in the scriptures. Yeah. Yeah. That is why in our Bible school, in our Bible school, we have scripture memorization. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But when we meet you as a Bible student on the campus, it's actually start to quote. Have to start to quote. Mighty in the scriptures. You are becoming mighty in the scriptures. I say you are becoming mighty in the scriptures. Ah, you were, I tell you. And the sheep will come and eat. Those of you who are Basenta uh, pastors and you are Basenta services, listen. Listen, if you want your, your, your church to grow, they wait. They, they will come back. They will come back. They want to. It's like, it's like you know, when you hear, you know, uh, our prophet preaching at uh, First Love. When he says, and this is the last point. Everybody go, oh, over oh, 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 here. We will sleep here. Meanwhile, you have been preaching for two hours plus. The word, the word is sweet. Yeah, but I'm, but what I'm trying to explain to you is I'm talking to you about how many of you want to do the beautiful job. You can't just get out and do the beautiful job. You have to prepare. Number one, your character. Number two, the word. You must be like Ezra, studying the word, becoming mighty in the scriptures. Mighty, hey, mighty in the scriptures. Yes. Explaining the scriptures. Opening the eyes of the scriptures. Eh? So when I started, I said, why are you alive? And I started opening the scripture. You were, you were so happy. How many of you were happy? Yes. Jesus was a man of the scriptures. And through the scriptures, watch this. Through the scriptures, you'll be blessed. No, through the scriptures, you'll be blessed. 
Amen. Paul said that, and now brethren, look at Acts chapter 20 and verse 32. Acts chapter 20 and verse 32. Acts chapter 20 and verse 22. Verse 32. 32. And now brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. Watch this. Which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. The word of God is able to build you up. To build you up is that you yourself, the shepherd, the pastor, you'll be strengthened. You'll be strengthened. Yes. You'll be strengthened. Do you get it? And then it gives you an inheritance. Something that you can hold. Something that you can have. I've had so many things through the preaching of the word of God. Yeah. Two days ago, a pastor sent me a test person, Bishop. I'd like to see you. How can I see you? I said, oh, I'll be at this place at this time. When I arrived at the cathedral, there he was with the wife, waiting. They had come from far. I said, what brings you here? I thought there was a problem. So there's no problem. This is for you. We brought you. You took them. This is, it. This is for you. This is for you. See, there's somebody that has been teaching the word for a long time. Passes. Passes. Look. Your, your ability to eat, to travel, to build, to have the, is the word. The word. The word is able to give you an inheritance. It's a victory secret. Yes. So when you joke of the word of God, a pastor who does not study the scriptures, you are an artificial pastor. A shepherd who does not study the scriptures, you are an artificial shepherd. Amen. Wow. Please sit down. Wow. Eh? So have the word of God. Amen. Hmm? Hallelujah. Now, 
Now, how do you know the word of God? You know the word by having your daily quiet time. You know the word by doing what? By doing what? By having your daily quiet time. Speaking the Holy Ghost. Right. Mark chapter 1 verse 35. Mark chapter 1 verse 35. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. Hallelujah. All right. Listen, I'm teaching you how to know the word of God. And the key is to have daily quiet time. Let's have the right hand. Say, I shall have my quiet time every day. Amen. Amen. Okay. Now, what is your quiet time? It's your special time of God. Your special time of God. Where you do two things. What do you do? You read the Bible and then you pray. Every shepherd, every pastor must do this. This is what Jesus did. This is what Jesus did. Watch this. This is Jesus. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. Can I have an amen? amen? Three strategies for a successful quiet time. Write it down. Three strategies for a successful quiet time. Three strategies for a successful quiet time. Amen. Number one. Strategy number one. Set a practical, unchangeable, and regular time for your quiet time. Set a practical, unchangeable, and regular time for your quiet time. Set a practical. Okay? So the first thing is that, watch this. You have to set a time. But the time must be practical. When I say practical, what does it mean? From your life perspective, your life, when do you sleep? When do you wake up? When do you go home? When do you go to work? When do you go to school? Do you understand it? Should all help. 
But generally speaking, eh, we must be like Jesus. A great well before day. Which is done. 4 a.m. Wake up at 4 a.m. Wake up at 3 a.m. To study the Bible and to pray. Can I have an amen? amen. And, uh, and don't change it. And let it be regular. Quiet time is done. You can't have it Monday, 3 a.m. Tuesday, 4 a.m. Uh, this and, you know, it doesn't work that way. Anything that you keep on doing, it becomes part of your habit. And it becomes very easy for you to do. How many of you agree with that? Hallelujah. Okay. So set a time. Set a time. Eh? Yeah. All right. Hallelujah. Number two. Withdraw from the presence of other people. Withdraw from the presence of other people. Remember that quiet time, that's why it's called quiet time. Eunice, do you understand it? It's a time between you and God. There's nobody there. So withdraw from the presence of other people. Hmm? Exodus chapter 34 and verse 3. The Bible says, And no man shall come up with thee. And no man shall come up with thee. There should be nobody. If you are married, okay, your quiet time is not the time of your husband and your wife. You are doing it together. No. You understand it? If you are having devotion together, that's a different thing. But you have to find your own time and do it. So everybody should have a place in your house where you can go and be to be of God. If you don't have such a place, maybe your living room, something, but find a place. Amen. Alright. Number three. Create an atmosphere that is good for fellowship of God. Create an atmosphere that is good for fellowship of God. Create an atmosphere which is good. Okay. Well, fellowship of God. Now, what is that atmosphere? Like playing gospel music to create a nice atmosphere to change because the atmosphere is normally hard. So you have to break it. Look at it. Or worship the Lord. Start by worshiping the Lord. Do you understand it? Yeah. Do you see? So create that type of atmosphere. So these are the three st- strategies. What is the first strategy? Set a time. Number two, withdraw from men. Number three, create an atmosphere. Alright. Now let me quickly give you seven steps to an effective quiet time. Then we'll go for break. I'll go through it very quickly. Okay. Seven steps. How many of you want to know how to do a quiet time? Seven steps. Number one, pray to begin your quiet time. Pray.
to begin your quiet time. Number two, read a passage from the Bible expecting God to speak to you. Read a passage from the Bible expecting God to speak to you. Now watch me. How many of you realize that you don't know which part of the Bible to read? How many of you know that? It's difficult. Is that not it? So, how to choose your daily Bible passage? How to choose your daily Bible passage? There are many options. Number one, choose a book from the Bible from which you read a verse every day. I mean, from which you read verses every day. Choose a book from the Bible from which every day you read some verses. So, for example, I'm currently having my quiet time of the book of Joshua. Joshua. I get what I'm saying. So, every day I read a letter. I think I'm in, I think I'm in chapter 22 now. So, every day I read a letter. That is one way. Another way is that choose a personality from the Bible whose life story you follow. Choose a, a personality from the Bible whose life story you follow. So, for example, you want to study about Moses. You want to study about Moses. Alright? The life story of Moses starts from Exodus. Exodus, you find Moses. Uh, Numbers, you find Moses. Uh, Deuteronomy, you find Moses. Or, you want to study about the life of a great king like King David. Alright? So you study about his life in 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel. I got it. And in 1 Kings. I get what I'm saying. Yeah. So you, 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 so that, that's what you do. Okay? Number three. You can also take the passage suggested in your daily reading guide. You can also take the passage that is suggested in your daily reading. So you can use a daily reading guide. I get what I'm saying. Eh? Yeah. Do you get it? For example, today's daily guide I think is a good effect from Luke 23. So you, you read it. We have several daily guides. For example, which one? In-house, written by presiding bishop. Which ones? Daily solutions? Daily solutions? Daily advice? Sorry? Daily keys? Yes, which other ones? Mount Horeb? Mount Sinai? There's a plenty. So you can, you can, what I'm saying that you can choose one of that and then the passages in it because every day, for example, today is 10th of May. So it gives you the passage. Luke chapter 23 verses 1 
to so and so. Then you read it, and then there, there's a write-up. So you, you read that and think about it. That is also your daily, uh, how you can choose. Amen? Is it clear? How many of you understand it? How do you choose a, 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 a book to, a, a Bible listen to study? That's what I'm explaining, number one. You can just choose one book. Let's say Luke. Then every day you study sports until you finish. Or John. Every day you study sports until you finish. Or you can take um, a personality. Let's say you want to study about um, the life of uh, prophet Elijah. Okay? Now, Elijah starts from 1 Kings chapter 17. Elijah, Elijah the Tishbite. And it continued to 2 Kings chapter 2. Alright, when he he departed. That's it. That's it. I, I get what I'm saying. So then it helps you to study about Elijah, the way he ministered, the place that he went to, the miracles that God used him to do and all that. So that's another option. Or you just have a daily guide. A, or some people call it daily devotional books. You take one and then you follow it. How many of you understand that? Okay. Alright. So, I'm giving you seven steps to effective quiet time. Number one, pray to begin with. Number two, choose a book. Is that also? Huh? Read a passage from the Bible, expecting God to speak to you. And I've, and, and I've explained to you how uh, now, when you are reading your Bible, how must you do it. Number one, read the passage slowly. Write it down, write it down, write it down, write it down. Read the passage slowly. Number two, do not read a very long passage unless it is necessary. Do not read a very long passage unless it is very necessary. Number three, stop at any verse that strikes you and think about it. Stop at any verse that strikes you, strikes you, and think about it. What does it mean? It means that when you are reading, you know, you read maybe a sentence. You say, wow, this is a very powerful sentence. Then you stop, then you think. You think about it. You meditate on it. It's amazing that when you hear preachers preaching, okay, they seem to emphasize the same scriptures in the same areas because 
is that the Holy Spirit opens everybody's eyes to those type of things. Number four, think about the meanings of the words that you are reading. Think about the meanings of the words that you are reading. I demonstrated one to you. Okay? That a shepherd must be hospitable. And I asked, what does hospitable mean? Then we went into the dictionary. Is that not it? Sometimes, if you don't do that, you not understand. You may think that you understand the word, but you don't understand it. That's why you must have a dictionary. Number six. Number five. Think about how the scripture applies to life in your generation. Think about how the scripture applies to life in your generation. Number six. Whisper to the Holy Spirit to help you to understand the word. Whisper to the Holy Spirit to help you understand the word. And number seven, decide on a practical way to implement the scriptures you have just learned. Decide on a practical way to implement the scripture you have just learned. So whatever, whatever you learn, think about a way you can make use of. So if you have learned about love, that God says you should love, then you look into your life and say, ah, you love everybody, but there's this particular person that really, really makes you angry. You can't love the person. Then you bring yourself to love the person. That is how you can implement it. Hallelujah. Amen. Alright. Huh? Seven ways to read the Bible. Read the Bible slowly. Is that not so? Do not read a very long passage. Stop at any verse that strikes you and think about it. Think about the meanings of the ways that you are reading. Think about the scripture. Think about how the scripture applies to life in your generation. Whisper to the Holy Spirit to help you. And think about a practical way you can implement the scripture. Hallelujah. Amen. So, we are going to take a break. Alright. When we come back, we will continue and I will continue to share some powerful things with you. Amen. 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 But before we go, what do you need to have an effective quiet time? Number one, you need a good Bible. You need what? A good Bible. Number two, you need a good English dictionary. What are examples of good Bibles? Write them down. What are examples? Dakes annotated reference Bible. Write it down. Dakes. You can put it on the screen. Dakes annotated reference Bible. Number two, Thompson's Chains Reference Bible. Thompson's Chain 
reference Bible. Number three, NIV. Number four, NIV is New International Version. Number four, New Living Translation. Eh? NLT, New Living Translation. Number five, Amplified Bible. Five, Amplified Bible. Number six, my favorite, Good News Bible. Okay, I'd like to encourage all of you to get Good News Bible. I mean, for very young Christians, it's very important. Then there's a Message Bible. So I'll give you seven. So the Message Bible, the Good News Bible, NLT, NIV, Thompson's Chains. Yeah? Dick's Annotated Bible. Do you have them? Ah, you didn't put them there. Number one is Dick's Annotated Reference Bible. Number two is Thompson's Chain Reference Bible. Number three is what? New International Version. Number four is New Living Translation. Number five is what? Amplified Bible. Number six is Good News Bible. Please write them down. And number seven is the, the Message Bible. So, this is what I mean by a good Bible. Number two, you need a good dictionary to help you to look for English words. Number three, you need what is called a concordance. Write it down. Concordance. How do you spell concordance? C-O-C-O-N C-O-R D-A-N-C-E C-O-C-O-R D-A-N-C-E Concordance. What is the concordance? It is it is a book with all the words of the Bible in it with their Hebrew and Greek meanings. Are you getting it? So if you read, for example, Proverbs chapter, uh, Luke chapter 14, verse 23, going to all the highways and compel them to come in. The word compel is in the New Testament. If you go and check in your concordance, you'll find that it is from a Greek word called anakazo. So the concordance helps you to know the Hebrew and the Greek meanings of the Bible ways. The next one, you also need a notebook one and notebook two. Notebook one and notebook two. I'm, I'm explaining to you how the things that you need for your for your quiet time. Notebook one and notebook two. What do you use notebook one for? To write the um, to write I listen to me to write no book one is to write where you had your quiet time and what you learned what you learned So, you put your date. Today's date is 10th May 2018. Then, 
What did you learn? You learned John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was a word and the word was with God and the word was God. Do you understand it? That is the passage that you read. Then what did you learn? How do you write what you learn? You say, I learned that. Write it down. I learned that number one, number two, number three. I learned that number one, number two, number three. I learned that number one, number two, number three. So if John 1 1 was your lesson, I learned that in the beginning was the word of God. That's number one. Number two. Okay. I learned that the word was with God. And number three, I learned that the word itself is God. These are the three things that I learned. And notebook two are things that you are going to do. If, 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 you know. So, normally when I'm in the presence of the Lord and I study, then I say, Things I'm inspired to do. Then I read them down. Things I'm inspired to do. Recently I had a meeting with somebody. A whole meeting was about things that I was in the presence of the Lord that I was inspired to do. Yeah. Plenty of things. Amen. Are we blessed? Are we blessed? Give the Lord a wonderful clap of hands. Stand to your feet and lift up your hands. How many of you are going to do the beautiful job? Lift up your hands and just thank God for blessing you and helping you. Yes, Lord. We are grateful. Come on, stand to your feet and lift up your hands. Thank God for the opportunity to do the beautiful job. The opportunity to do the beautiful job. We are grateful. We thank you. We give you praise. We bless you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a wonderful clap of friends. And you may be seated.